think we've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Yeah, man, Pure Gold is once again live on the air Woo! at 16.40 a.m. for this Wednesday Woo! night, March 6, 2013. Welcome to the relaunch of 16.40 Ironbound Radio and to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Pacino and my tag team partner, co-host, and program director of 16.40 a.m. is David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I'm doing fabulous, sir. Just excited, as always, to be on the air here in 1640. And, of course, folks, of course, if you'd like to be a part of the program, as always, make sure you check us out at our website, puregoldpg.com. Those of you listening here in the Newark area, of course, you can check us out at www.ir1640amradio.com, which is our brand-new website that, of course, yours truly designed and Relaunched. Um, you know, we had the original uh, 1640 website, which we had to switch over just to, you know, accommodate all the changes that were going on. But of course, when you go to our site, uh, you can check out our Twitter, our Facebook, and everything else. And of course, if you'd like to call in, as always, 714 364 4721. Thank you, Dave. Now, we had the relaunch uh, premiere Friday and into this week. We're uh, into Wednesday of the first week of the relaunch. Couple bumps in the road, sir, but that's nothing um, unusual. <laughs> Technical difficulties are our specialty, folks. Uh, <laughs> we've had so many issues over the years with so many different things that we've done. But of course, as Joe mentioned, being the program director here at 1640, uh, things have been interesting. You know, we've had a couple of shows back out already. One of the shows aired is actually off the air now. Um, we had to make some changes uh as it were but we do have new shows coming up we had a successful we had a successful you know launch there with pat show the three king um, excuse me king firehawk show the three king show we had a spanish girl radio yesterday which launched and did a great job uh, you know we had spirit plays radio yesterday also and we also had jeans rendezvous on monday and jean did a good job and again i know there have been some technical difficulties and of course if you go to our website you'll be able to see everything uh but uh <laughs> You'll be able to sorry, be a little, a little, a little accident happening in the studio, apparently. Um, you'll be able to see everything on our website and all the wonderful people that we have. Uh, Ken Reedy's show, we had an issue with Ken's show, but uh, the genius that I am, I believe I figured out the problem, and we will take care of that next week. All right, sir, on the program tonight, a longtime friend who hasn't been on the show since we probably started way back when in 2011. Obviously, definitely, maybe. WFAN's co-host. Celebrity uh, personality Mark the Moose Malusis will be joining us momentarily. The Moose! We will be in studio with a new show, Under the Bleachers, with Laura and Liz. And we'll get into some wrestling talk, the unfortunate death of Mr. Paul Bear, as all the wrestling fans know him as. But his real name is what? William Moody? William Moody, yes, sir. Um, we'll get into some wrestling, WrestleMania. We'll talk about Raw this past Monday. Um, and then we got some nuggets for you to go through if we have some time, which we might not able might not be able to since we're going to 7:30. Moose should be on momentarily uh, because we're going to try to cover some sports with him, go around the league. If we have some time, uh, we'll, we'll talk about some other sports that we might not be able to get to with Mark Malusis. 
Um, but, sir, how many times are you going to say Mark Melissa's episode? I'm trying to get Mark Melissa's on the air. Come on, Mark, call. <laughs> but anyway, so Mark should be joining us more Telecom WFAN. Nice of him to join us again, what, two years later? Um, yeah, actually, almost exactly two years. Which is crazy. So we got some time to talk about some nuggets that we want to get through that we might not be able to at the end of the show. Sir, I went to go see the uh, tax man yesterday, and let me tell you, um, these Obama taxes are killing me. Not only do I have to pay uh, more taxes I've ever had to pay in my life, but I also ended up having to pay um, an additional amount at the end of the year. So, um, you know, Monday was a, a sad day for me. So you had, basically, I had to go to a wake. So you had death and taxes. Thank God for pure gold on a Wednesday because I need something to brighten my spirit. Sir, I, I have to know, and I, I know we joke about this, and of course you, you, you mentioned it was a friend of the family who passed away, but I don't think I've ever known anybody who said more deaths in the family or people that they've known passed away. Now I'm wondering, is this uh, your mafia connections that we're talking about here? Is, is that why people end up, uh, you know, as, uh, swimming with cement shoes, as it were? It's not mafia-related, but, sir, I mean, uh, you know, the law of averages, the more people you know, the more the pe- more people will pass away. So, uh, well, I know a ton of people, and uh, the, the list living? is very, <laughs> pretty much, the list is very short. Well, hopefully they stay healthy and live, you know, a healthy life, sir. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Only on pure gold. So, do we have any Pope talk this evening? <laughs> Well, the, you know the, that, that's been a, that's been a, a ratings bonanza for the past two weeks. That's true. The uh, conclave has now met, and um, you know, I don't think the U.S. has a real shot with uh, you know Timothy Dolan. I, although I, <laughs> your boy Timothy Dolan, my, my boy Timothy Dolan would be a good pope, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, I think the it's between it's going to be between. I still think the Canadian uh, cardinal, which is his last, last name, Ulet, and the guy from Nigeria. I don't know. No, Ghana. That's right, Ghana. I don't know his name, but I know that those two are your favorites to be your next pope by March. I don't know, March 21st. We should have a pope. But again, right after St. Patrick's Day. Right after St. Patrick's Day. But again, I've always thought it. Dave's always thought it. We might as just repeat it again because when you're a pope, you're a pope <laughs> for yeah. life. Yeah, I think it's time we, we switch gears, sir. Who do we have on the hotline? Uh, hopefully, we have on the hotline the one and the only from WFAN, Mark the Moose Malusis. Mark, how are you tonight? Good, guys. What's going on? Good. Doing great, Mark. Listen, we appreciate you. Right before you came on, interestingly enough, Joe and I were talking about the last time you appeared on the show. And for those of you listening out there on uh, 1640 and, of course, uh, you know, through Blog Talk Radio, the Moose is actually our fourth guest in the, in the history of our show. He was the fourth person that we got to come on. And, Mark, I, I'm sure you won't believe it. You probably had no clue. It's been a little over two years since you last appeared on our airwaves. Wow, I, I can't. It feels like yesterday. I can't believe it was two years ago. Unbelievable. There you yeah. go. I was fourth guest. Uh, uh, I feel honored. Thank you. No, listen. When Joe told me that he he bribed you to come back on the air, I was really excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's great to have you on. And of course, a lot of things have changed uh, in in our lives, as it were. Um, you know, at the time when you came on, I was actually celebrating my one year wedding anniversary and going on three years now. And uh, from the what I've heard, you know, the little the newsroom, as it were, you are now a happy and, uh, I'm sure, ecstatic father. Tell us a little bit about that, Moose. Yeah, I have uh, uh, little baby boys, uh, just a tad under three weeks old. Uh, you know, he's crying right now, but uh, his name's <laughs> Jackson Dominic uh, Malusis, so uh, it's an unbelievable feeling. Uh, it's indescribable uh, until you uh, see your 
my first child, so it's just uh, it's an unbelievable feeling. It's really great. No, Thank it, you. It definitely is, and you know, of course, our congratulations to you. I'm actually, um, I, I, again, at the time, you know, I was celebrating the anniversary. I I was right. about to find out that I my wife was pregnant with her child. My daughter is now a year and some change, so I know exactly. Wow! Congratulations! That's you. awesome. Well, I actually. The, you can say the congratulations for this. I just found out last week on my co-host's birthday that my wife is expecting another child. So this is a pure goal exclusive. I'm going to be a dad for a second time. So I'll be joining your, your ranks once again, sir. Well, there you go. Well, congratulations the second time through. So you have a baby girl now. Yes. You're hoping for a boy or another girl? No, we're hoping for a boy. I, I can't. I don't think I can take another woman in my life telling me what to do. So I need, you know, I definitely need a, a little boy. It'll, it'll be the first one on, on my side. Moose, let me ask you a question. You said three weeks. So uh, have you got any sleep or anything? Or I mean, are we cutting into your nap time right now? No, 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 no. I've been able. I've been able to get some sleep. I, I don't get much sleep as it is, but uh, I have been able to get a little bit. His days and nights are still confused. Where. He sleeps during the day. He's up a lot during the night, but um, you know it's all part of the process and and everything. And and uh, but no, not getting a ton of sleep. No. <laughs> you know, Mark. Uh, congratulations again on your newborn, your son. I know Dave. Um, let me ask you one last question about your son. Did you want to? Did you find out the sex of the baby, or did you? Was this a surprise for you? No, no, we waited. We did not find <laughs> out. We did not want to know. We wanted to be surprised. It's one of. Uh, you know, life's biggest surprises. So uh, we didn't we didn't want to know we uh, we didn't know boy or girl. So uh, we waited to find out. Well, you know, the thing about that, I'm sure you'll find this funny, is I, I I had a dream and everything at the time. You know, going back two years, I said, oh, we're gonna have a, a boy, and I was I was expecting a boy. You know, talking about a boy. I already had a name picked out, and when we go for the ultrasound. Um, you know, the first one that you find out the sex of the baby. My wife is there. You know, the the, the technician. He's doing his thing, and then I find he goes, "Oh, congratulations! You're you're gonna be the proud parents of a baby girl." And I was I was so stunned. I was like, "Wait, what? What did you just did you just say, girl?" He goes, "Yeah, a girl." Like, well, did you you guys obviously wanted to find out, right? Yeah, we did want to find out. I asked him to check again, and he found that it was a girl. And I sat there just stunned. And I look at back at it now. My wife was mad at me, as you can imagine. But I look back on it now, and, and I, I wouldn't change anything in the world. Having a, a baby girl, she's the best, you know. And I'm sure. Obviously, you feel the same way about your son. Uh, again, hoping for a boy this time, but I just thought it was, uh, you know, a humorous story to share. I was needless yeah, to say, I well, I mean, obviously, I mean, boy or girl, as long as everyone's healthy, mom's healthy, as long as the baby's healthy, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. So, I mean, you know, it's, you know, if you have a, you know, if we had a girl, it would have been great. We have a boy, it's awesome. So, I mean, either way, as long as the baby's healthy, that's really all that matters. That's the bottom line, Moose. Let, let me, uh, since we only have you for uh, a short amount of time, we definitely thank you. Let's can we just uh, get into some sports here? I want to just hit some main topics. The, the big news coming out, you know, Mark Teixeira in in baseball talk, Yankee talk. Uh, Mark Teixeira's out, and now this this Yankee team going into the 2013 season, their lineup really looks weak. Um, you know, coming in for a little bit, Mike talking to Sweeney about um, you know needing to find uh, a person to play first base, do you think that the Yankees are going to be able to find somebody to um, not replace the share, but at least, you know, give you some oomph for that in the lineup? You know, it's a great question. I'm not really sure at this stage uh, that you're going to find an answer, uh, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, 
you know, a home run or an answer. I think those changes more so come in the off season than at this stage. I think it's a, you know, it's a monumental blow. Maybe, you know, you see Euclid play more first base and you see Nunez, even with his defensive deficiencies, play a little bit of third. I mean, maybe right. you could try and pry uh, an overpaid, uh, underperforming guy from, from another organization. But like I said before, that's not an answer. Um, and you might go out there tonight. It might not be uh, money well spent. So, I mean, listen, it's a major blow. I mean, you look at the guys now, it's up to eight. As far as guys that hit 14 or more home runs uh, at the start of the season that aren't going to be with this team this year, that were with the team last year. I mean, Granderson will be back. Uh, Teixeira will be back at some point in time. But, uh, you know, still, I mean, they have to replace a, a lot of production, go about it in a lot of different ways. And now this lineup got uh, immeasurably thinner. Um, and you expect bigger things. And you need Jeter not to struggle early on. You need Euclid to hit like he hit three years ago, not like he hit last year with the Red Sox and the White Sox. And, you know, Granderson and Ichiro, I mean, they're catching spots extremely weak offensively. And you need Cano to be an absolute superstar, which he has been, but even more so because there's going to be a ton of pressure on him and there's not going to be a lot of protection in that lineup. You know, uh, what's interesting, Mark, is you basically covered the Yankees for success. <laughs> you the entire organization El Paso. We can move on from that. <laughs> Unfortunately, big Mets fans, um, not looking forward to much this year. Give us your take on the Mets if you could. I mean, do we have anything to look forward to other than, like, you know, maybe 60 wins this year? Well, I think he, what you have to look forward to is watching individual stories and the development of a young starting pitcher in Harvey, who I think is going to be an absolute stud for the organization for years to come. I think at the end of the year, uh, you're going to know as a Met fan that he is your ace of the team. You know, at some point in time this summer, if everything goes right, uh, you know, Zach Wheeler will be a part of the organization too on the major league level. He, you know, he's going to start the year uh, on Triple A, and you know, you, you want to see John Nee step up. I mean, the Santana news is discouraging. You know, offensively you're challenged in the outfield, but you know, you hope Ike Davis becomes a, a 35 you know, 90-plus home, you know, 90-plus RBI type guy, and, and David Wright earns his contract. See Darno at some point in time. But, you know, honestly, I, I don't see a lot of team success. I, I just see, you know, building and gaining experience for hopefully future success. In general, Moose, um, has the balance of power shifted from, would you say, like the AL East um, to more of like the AL West and the NL West? Are we looking at, like, two new superpowers in the next couple of years between because of the money being spent between the Angels and the Dodgers? Yeah, and the Angels-Dodgers, let's not forget about the Giants and their dominant starting pitching and what they've been able to do. I mean, they've won a couple World Series in, in not so, you know, past five years. So, um, you know, the Giants are, are right there as well. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Angels and Artie Moreno have spent a ton of money, uh, you know, bringing Josh Hamilton in this offseason, bringing in pool holes. Yeah, I think you've seen a little bit of a transition. I mean, listen, you look at the American League East right now, and the Yankees have got holes all over the place. Uh, you know, this might be one of the weakest Red Sox teams in years. You know, the Rays are still the Rays, but, you know, they, they lost some uh, some punch offensively. Um, and then you got the Orioles, uh, who at times last year did it with smoke and mirrors, were great in extra innings, tremendous in one-run games. Is that going to continue? And then you got the Toronto Blue Jays, who – you know, everyone wants to believe in, but you don't have to remember too far back into the Miami Marlins of last year where, 
Everyone thought the Marlins were going to have a big-time year, and they were an utter disaster. So I think it's a very fair point when you look at, you know, the National League West, the American League West, if you compare it to, say, the, you know, AL East and um, and such, that, uh, you know, the balance of power has kind of switched from one coast to the other. Now, I have one last baseball question. I'm not sure if Joe's going to ask anything after this in terms of uh, this sport, because I know he has quite a few things here written down. But you mentioned the Miami Marlins, so I've got to throw this out there. Should there be a petition of some sort to ban uh, Jeffrey Laurier from professional sports? Because I have family living in Miami, well, my wife's family, and I think about the, the fact that this town was hoodwinked and bamboozled by this guy who spent all this money, gets his brand-new stadium, and then after a year dumps everybody. Uh, if you can give us your quick take on that, Moose. I mean, how, how does this happen again, you know, in the town, in the area of Miami? This could be the third time that Marlins dumped salary with different owners, but, of course, they didn't win anything this year. But they do have this amazing stadium that nobody's going to go to. Yeah, I think it's an absolute joke. I mean, I feel bad for the baseball fan down there, Dave. I mean, I think when you look at it, sure, it's a football town, and, and football, high school, college, NFL dominates the conversation there in South Florida. But if you look at it from a pure baseball perspective, um, what Laurie has done down there is is an absolute joke. Um and it is a shame, uh, you know, he gave it one year, and then he bailed out once again. They have a new ballpark. I don't know if I were a baseball fan or a Marlin fan, why I would pay my hard-earned money to go watch, uh, you know, his team play. You know, I love John Carlos Stanton. He's a wonderful talent, wonderful player. You feel for him. Uh, he's a terrible owner. Um, you know, he doesn't do right by his fan base. It's about the bottom line. Um, and, what he did to that team after one season and one failed year is an absolute joke. And um, and yeah, if I were a baseball fan down there, I'd be I'd be probably changing over and trying to find a new team to root for. Now, Moose, it's it's, uh, it's not right, not fair, and it's pretty dumb to ask you a World Series prediction on March. So I'm going to ask you: Are there any <laughs> are there any surprise teams that um, you know nobody's really talking about that are a great season? Um, I think one team, I think one team right off the bat, the Cleveland Indians. You think uh, there are other teams like that? Can you name like maybe one or two teams that you think are just going to have a great year that nobody's really talking about? You know, I like what the Indians did. We know Swisher's a good regular season player, born as well. You know, I worry about the the back end of their starting rotation. I, I do like their top three, um, and they need as Drupal Cabrera to come back and have a, a big time bounce back year. But you know, I think the Tribe is a fair one. Um, you know, I. I don't. I mean, I, I, if you're asking me for a surprise team, I mean, I, I think it's really all the teams that we've kind of talked about. You know, I'm not a pirate believer. You want to say the Brewers, I guess, maybe. But, um, you know, I, I still look at the uh, the Angels. Uh, you know, I don't think the A's are going to be as good this year as, as they were a, a year ago. I mean, I, I do like the Angels a lot. I like the Tigers a lot. Uh, I think the American League East is, is going to be very, very interesting because – I don't think there's going to be a great team in there. I don't think Toronto is all of a sudden going to take the American League by storm. And I think, um, you know, I, I just got to see Josh Johnson. I got to see R.A. Dickey bounce back and have another great year. Like, And I think he's a solid pitcher, but, you know, last year he was utterly remarkable. Um, you know, the Reds, you know, I'm a big believer when, when I look out in the National League. I, you know, I like the Nats, but I really love what the Braves did this offseason, adding the Upton brothers and, you know, that's a team and an organization that absolutely gets it. Yeah, they gave to get, uh, but um, certainly, um, you know, they lost some offense, you know, losing Bourne, Chipper Jones retiring. 
and they had B.J. Upton and Justin Upton. And Upton, Justin, that is, I think is going to have a big-time year down there with the Atlanta Braves. So, you know, I, I think it's kind of all the usual suspects, the Dodgers and the Giants and the National League West. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's one surprise team. I think the Indians could be, but I just worry about the back end of their starting rotation. I agree with you. And, of course, we're talking to WFAN's, WFAN's own Mark Moulousas. Mark, turning our attention towards the UBA because that – is um, you know the season that uh, we're winding down, getting towards the playoffs. Um, just want to focus on a couple of teams. Like what the Miami Heat are doing right now, and what LeBron James has established himself as obviously the greatest, uh, the best player in the league right now. Do you think that the Miami Heat uh, is there any competition out there for them? I mean, you're, I, I'm sure you'll mention some teams from the West, but right now the way the Miami Heat are playing, uh, is this going to be a, a, an easy coast for them to a second title? Well, I don't know if they're going to sweep their way through the Eastern Conference. I mean, you know, I think the Knicks could maybe win a couple games. I think the Pacers with their uh, length that they have and uh, Granger uh, returning could give them some issues. But, you know, I do think they're going to eventually get through the Eastern Conference. And, you know, LeBron is the best player in the league, best player in the world. The MVP makes everyone around him better. And I think as far as a team that can knock him off, I think you you do have to look out west and – I don't think it's going to happen. I think Miami is going to repeat. But, you know, it's the usual suspects. Uh, you know, I, I do like San Antonio and Oklahoma City more than I do like the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, even with the Parker injury being out for a month with that ankle sprain, um, which is going to hurt. But, you know, as long as he's set ready to go come postseason time, I mean, that's all Greg Popovich is worried about. So I think if you're looking for a t- couple teams that could knock him off, I think you'd have to look at Westbrook and Durant with Oak City and Scotty Brooks and, You'd have to look at uh, San Antonio. Let me ask you this, Moose, as a Knicks fan. What can Miami and Orange and Blue do to be relevant you know, in the playoffs? And of course, they're not going to win the title. But, um, you know, what do they need to do to get outside of the world and uh, make some noise and some headway? You know what? I think they got to go back to what they were doing when, you know, first 23 games of the season, um, when they were off to an 18-5 and five start and were playing – fantastic basketball and if you go back to then first off they were defending um and they were exerting a lot of effort on the defensive end of the floor number two they weren't turning the basketball over they were having games where you know kid and felton and that backcourt as a team they were having eight nine turnovers a game you look at for the better part of you know two months now you know that's that's really come to an end on sunday against miami for example i think they had 18 turnovers and they had uh eight in the second half so you know, they're not going to be a great rebounding team because Chandler is really the only rebounder on the team and the only guy that gives you effort as far as attacking the glass. But, you know, they got to defend. they got to hit the outside shot. They are a perimeter-oriented team. I'd love to see them get more aggressive and attack in the rim. But I think to make up for the deficiency on the glass, they've got to take care of the basketball, which is something they have not done. Is it safe to say that LeBron James is the new roadblock for the Knicks? It seemed like, you know, we, uh, I've heard it uh, been discussed that, you know, Jordan roadblocked the Knicks to a title. Is LeBron James going to be able to roadblock the Knicks for the next couple of years? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, it's unfortunate. I think when you look at, you know, the Knicks were great or very good during Jordan's days, and now I think they've gotten back to respectability and relevance in the NBA, and I think it's going to get easier for LeBron. You know, guys, I, I said uh you know, I think it's easier for LeBron now that he has the weight of the first NBA title off of his shoulders. And I think you've seen him step up his game even more 
remarkably well this year um, with his shooting percentage and three-point percentage. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I think it's it's amazing, but I think it's just going to be very, very difficult to beat him and his team moving forward, no question. Let me ask you my Celtic question because I'm a Celtic fan. I, I would have called your show more. We're playing great without Rondo. How about that? Well, that's my question is um, how is that possible that they're playing without Rondo? Is it? I, I hope it's not out that Rondo is a selfish player and Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett just gave up on him and now they're just playing uh, ball together having just a funner, a, a more fun time. You know what? I don't think so. I mean, I think they love Rondo. I think it's what you have is you mentioned Pierce and Garnett. I think you have a team that's got a lot of veterans on it, throwing a Jason Terry, you know, back to his Maverick days, realizing what they need to do as a unit in order to win. I mean, you know, look at the way that Avery Bradley is playing as well. Um, you know, I like the move that they made at the uh, trade deadline at in Crawford too. I mean, you know, I think you're looking at a veteran coach um, that's got veteran key leaders on the team led by Garnett, led by Paul Pierce that understand what they need to do to make up for the deficiencies of Rondo. Certainly they're, you know, a more explosive team with Rondo on the court, but uh, they've been playing great basketball, and they've made up for his deficiency by playing together as a unit. Do they do they match up better against the Heat, or do you think a, a different team like the Pacers or Knicks match up better against the Heat in the playoffs? You know, it's a good question. I, I think, uh, you know, any, if you get Boston in the series, the one issue you'd have is that's where I think the loss of Rondo would certainly hurt. Right, because the the Heat have no answer for that type of point guard. They can't defend him, and Rondo can get into the lane and can get his own shot and can also create for others. So I, I think that's where, if you're a Celtic fan, you'd really miss Rondo in that series, say against Miami. You know, if you if you put the Celtics in any series with that coach, with those veterans, especially Garnett and Pierce, you know, you give them a shot against anybody. They might not win it. But could they push the Heat conceivably to six or seven games? Yeah, I think conceivably they could. Now, speaking of the Heat, and of course speaking of LeBron, I've heard I talk about this, and I've heard quite a few people. Do you buy into the theory that LeBron is uh, not biding his time, but you know there's a good chance he's going to be back in Cleveland in a couple of years trying to help them win a title, or do you think that's just uh, you know water cooler talk, as it were? You know what? I you know I don't know what's going through his mind. I mean, I, you know, I know he still has. I'm sure. Um, still has his, you know, heart gets pulled toward that uh, that area. That's where he grew up from, being from Akron, Ohio, and everything. Uh, do I see him leaving Miami? I got to be honest with you, I probably don't. Uh, you know, but you know, when you when he hits free agency, um, you know, Wade is another couple years older. You look out with the Cavaliers; they'd have Kyrie Irving and Dion Waiters, and um, you know, the the Cavaliers are going to have another high draft choice this year as well as they're 20 games under the 500 mark. Could he look at it as far as going back home and then leading that organization? I guess he could. I'd love, you know, it would be great to see um, and be a story tale, uh, you know, kind of a fairy tale ending to it. Do I see it happening? Probably not. Uh, you know, I'd probably see him staying down in Miami. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does actually boom back to Cleveland and help him win a, a title in Cleveland. Um, but since um, I got two more topics real quick, Mark, uh, before we let you go, uh, sure. just, just hockey, um, what the Chicago Blackhawks are doing, I mean, even if you're not a hockey fan, what they're doing right now is just so impressive. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Do you think that this is uh, obviously it's a good thing for the team, but the, the, the more they win, the more pressure that they feel that they have to keep winning, Obviously, they're not going to go undefeated throughout the season, but 
Um, do you think that this is a team that is now going to um, somehow be mentally fatigued by the time the playoffs come, or do you think they have enough time to recover and then play good in the playoffs? Yeah, I think they could. I mean, you know, it's almost like if they don't win a Stanley Cup, then it's like there's some sort of ramification um, as far as this streak goes. You know, I I kind of look at it differently. I mean, if the playoffs were starting tomorrow, I'd probably say it's probably best if they lose a game. You know, we still have, you know, halfway to go in the condensed regular season. So, you know, it's an amazing streak. It's fun to watch. Um, Clearly, you know, they've separated themselves with, with everybody out there in the Western Conference. And, um, you know, it's do I think now all of a sudden, you know, uh, that it's going to have great ramifications on them in, in the postseason? No, because I, I think we've seen in the National Hockey League, Kings are a perfect case in point last year, and other eight seeds have made great runs as well. You know, you need to be playing great hockey at the right time. Um, what you hope for if you're Joel Quenville is that, this team um, is not peaking at the wrong – well, I mean, they're obviously peaking, but they're able to get back when they need to and are playing a very good brand of hockey come postseason time. That's the most important thing. You're definitely right about that because it seems – you know, when you look at the, um, the the way the hockey um, – just the league is set up, eight out of 15 teams make the playoffs. You just need to really get in, and then, you know, you need a um, a good power play and a great uh, – and a hot goaltender. I mean, you look at the Devils, what they did last year – and right now the Devils are struggling, and the Rangers are, are, you know, here and there, and my Islanders are here and there. They're a young team. So, I, I mean, for me, I think hockey is you, you get into the playoffs, even if you get the eight seed, look at the Kings, like you said, last year, and you go from there. Yeah, all you, you know, you get a good goaltender. You know, he doesn't even have to be great. He just has to get hot. Um, and if he gets hot and, um, you know, you don't have to have the Vezina Trophy winner, but you get good power play, good penalty kill, um, you know, you can go, you can go out there and have a tremendous run. You really can because, you know, home ice advantage isn't really uh, that great of an advantage when you look at it, and it's really about timing. Uh, most of it's a long postseason. You got to stay healthy. You can't suffer a major injury, and your stars have got to play better, but and play great. But good goaltending, good power play, good penalty kill. Uh, come postseason time, you'll be able to do a lot of damage. Definitely, Mark. One last question before we let you go, because I think it's an interesting question, and I want to. Uh, I know we can have you on, hopefully, again uh, at yeah, a future absolutely. date. But just one last question: If, um, in terms of just quarter, uh, quarterbacks between RG three, your RG three, uh, Kaepernick and Wilson, of those three quarterbacks, which one would you want and why? RG3, well, you know, I'm a Skins fan, so, I mean, you know, I would take RG3, you know, um, I don't think you can lose, you know, or they're so different. I mean, you look at it, Kaepernick just is a a physical beast. Uh, You know, he's got the strongest arm of the three. Um, You know, you look at Russell Wilson is probably the headiest of the three. You know, played at NC State, played at Wisconsin. What are you able to do? Remarkable leadership overcoming the size disadvantage, being 5'10", 5'11", to go out there. He's got a very good arm as well. And then you just look at the explosive ability of Robert Griffin III. So, you know, I, I think if you're you're sitting in the catbird seat with any of the three, um, the big issue you have with RG3 is he's only one of the three that are coming off a significant injury. And right. it's it's a... You know, it's not a you know, it's nothing to you know scoff at. It's a torn LCL and a torn ACL, and you know, hopefully he doesn't rush back. Hopefully he's there when he is 100% healthy and doesn't be forced to be back there 
um, week number one. But, I mean, you're asking me, you know, I'd take RG3, but I can understand those that would want to take Russell Wilson, and I can understand those, obviously, that would want to take Kaepernick based on what he did uh, for the 49ers after he took over for Alex Smith. Listen, we can't thank you enough, of course. Hopefully we'll talk to you again in another two years. <laughs> no, here. well, let's make it earlier than two years. And, Dave, congratulations on kid number two. And, thank uh, you, and Joe, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys, for having me on. No, listen, it was a pleasure. Uh, ours, of course. And I know you have to go change some diapers or do something. Else, but go take care of daddy duty. Literally. <laughs> you got it. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good night. You, you too. too. Folks, right. that was the one only, the incomparable, the moose, Mark Malusis. Um, I, we have a little uh, break that we have to take here, so my uh, co-host will take over in a second. But, folks, remember, you're listening to Pure Gold, puregoldpg.com, and, of course, ir1640amradio.com. Here on the airwaves in Newark, New Jersey, 1640 AM, Ironbound Radio. Folks, for the finest Portuguese and Spanish cuisine, we have two great places for you. The Iberia Restaurant in Newark, New Jersey. That's right, we have the Iberia Tavern at 80 Ferry Street, Newark. Phone number 973-344-7603. And the Iberia Peninsula on 63 Ferry Street in Newark, 973-344-5611. Two restaurants with fine dining. Two restaurants with the freshest seafood. Man, I always get hungry when I do this. The oldest Portuguese and Spanish restaurants in the community, serving the best food since 1926. Cater your next event with the Iberia Restaurants. Free parking in the rear. Visit their website, folks, at www.iberiarestaurants.com. And again, like Dave said, you're listening to Pure Gold on 1640 AM, and we're going to take a quick time out. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Anna Zelensky, and make sure to tune in to Pure Gold, where you can hear great interviews, wonderful insight, and the best talk radio around. This is actor Anthony Tyler Quinn. You may remember me as Mr. Turner from Boy Meets World, among many other roles. Make sure to listen in to Pure Gold every week for some of the best talk radio around. Hey, this is Blanca from Group One Crew, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Folks, we are back. Special thanks to Anna, Anthony, and Blanca. Of course, past guests, great guests. Folks, one thing we do on this show, we value the people who come in. We value the people who call us. And, of course, you, the listening audience, it's a pleasure. Yours, of course, to be checking out our show. Joe, we have so many things we need to cover. Take us away, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, we tried to cover all the sports with Malus, Mr. Malusis. Um to start the show, and uh, let's get right into some wrestling talk. Um, talk about Raw, talk about uh, WrestleMania coming up on April 7th. But the big news coming out, the unfortunate passing of Mr. William Moody, a.k.a. Paul Bearer. Um, this is not a hoax, an angle, or anything like that. You know, unfortunately, Mr. Moody has passed away. And, sir, um, you know, I, I thought he was one of the greatest managers of all time. I mean, well, I, that's undoubtedly the case, sir. It definitely was, and uh, he would definitely be missed as a person, as a character. Um, no, no cause, right? No information. Nothing has been revealed uh, as of yet. Last time I checked, but the outpouring of support for for uh, Paul Bear, aka you know William Moody, aka Percy Pringle, has been amazing. I mean, Hulk Hogan tweeted about it. Of course, uh, you know Hogan had that huge angle with uh, Undertaker back in the early '90s when he was introduced. Right. Of course, so that's a big part of the, the Hogan story and of the Undertaker story, you know, being thrown in there with the biggest name on, on the planet. Um, of course, you know, Jim Ross, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, I mean, countless people 
you know, Mickey James, people from TNA, people from WWE. I mean, how many people cross paths with him? I mean, Shane Helms, everybody. It's just, it's a sad day in wrestling. You know, it's one of those things that when you hear about, it always leaves a little, like, knot in the pit of your stomach because as a wrestling fan, Joe and I both, you know, relatively close to this, you know, about the same age, we watched, we watched him on WWE programming for years. And he was, I mean, how many people in the world, and I believe, um, this was tweeted by Tyson Kidd. He said, I'm sure there's a, there isn't a person alive who hasn't at least tried to do the voice once. And when we had the beloved Undertaker, I mean, that was a great voice. He was an amazing character. And he died at 58. It's a shame. I mean, young guy. You know, we're not talking 88 or 90. I mean, Bruno San Martino is, is, is much older than that. And he's, you know, he's in better shape than Joe and I put together. But um, it's a shame, sir. It's an absolute shame. And I said this, and I, I don't know if you'll agree with Maybe the wrestling fans out there will agree, but I honestly think that The Undertaker should break character or at least mention him in a promo leading up to WrestleMania and say, you know, Paul Bearer, rest in peace. I mean, to me, that would be a fitting tribute for Paul Bearer the next time Undertaker appears on WWE programming. I don't know if it's ironic, sad, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, Undertaker did show up on TV for the first time in, what, a year now. Uh, He showed up on Raw, and uh, you're right. I think he should pay some homage to Paul Bearer. before Taker actually Undertaker started talking, sir, Paul Bear was the ta- basically the spokesman for Undertaker for the first couple of years. I know Ted DiBiase introduced them at Survivor Series, but you know Paul Bearer was the person that talked for the Undertaker. All Undertaker would say is "Rest in peace." So yes, I do agree that he owes something to to uh, William Moody, aka Paul Bearer. Well, something is. I mean, he he was the Undertaker's you know right hand man, as it were, and of course he also introduced Kane. Right. To the WWE, and I mean, he's he's been an integral part of the success in the Attitude Era. I mean, Paul Bearer was a staple. I'm sure you remember when they killed him off on television with the Dudley Boys and Undertaker, and they had him in that cement thing, and uh, yeah. Taker just let him die, pulled the switch, and then he somehow miraculously came back to life later on. Just, uh, just sad, sir. There's no other way around that. Very sad. And did you say he was 58, by the way? When I read he was 58, he looked older, but, you know, he was obviously a very heavy man, so that probably contributed... And, of course, the, uh, the the makeup and whatnot. You know, he was a real-life uh, mortician. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he, he really... <laughs> they found him. They probably buried uh, you know somebody in the WWEF at the time, you know, and, and they they dug him up. The reason why I ask if he was 58 for sure, because there's another gentleman, not in the wrestling world, but did you hear about somebody else that died that was 58 years old yesterday? Uh, who would that be? That would be the Venezuelan president, Hugo Chavez. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. Uh, forgot about Well, not that I forgot about it, but I wasn't sure if we were going to be talking about that. You know, I know that I'm, I was not a fan of Hugo Chavez. Um, I, I know Joe isn't. I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody could be unless you're a communist or somebody who he helped take care of. You know, it's always, it's always bothered me when the Hollywood liberal elite like Sean Penn uh, supports somebody, you know, supported somebody like him and somebody who is just a thorn in the side of the American people. But at the same time, I can't dance on the guy's grave. I think it's it's just the wrong thing to do. You know, he's dead. Uh, I hope he made his peace with God before he went. I just think it's sad to say that he's no longer here, no longer has a chance to change or make things right. And what, what uh, hit me before was that, I mean, Castro's much older, and Castro's been sick for however long, and this guy just sticks around and has been a thorn in the side of the world for so many years, and Chavez, you know, not even 60. It's just a, it's a shame, sir. It really is. But, uh, you know, the only reason why I mention it is because when I was going to do my taxes yesterday, I learned on CNN that Hugo Chavez had passed away, and he was 50. And then when you're mentioning that 
Uh, William Moody was 58. That's just uh, scary. I mean, if you, if you yeah, in, that's what I saw. Yeah, if you believe in those, you know, things happening in three. I mean, whoever's 58, better look out. I mean, you hope you're not next. I caught my my partner's fun off for that innocuous comment, but yes. there. What else do we have on the docket? Well, Raw was uh, Raw's theme this week was old school Raw. So you had the the old Raw Monday Night Raw intro theme. You know, spliced in with some new characters, new wrestlers, updated wrestlers. But you had uh, the old music, you had the old set, you had the old ring. It was basically old school back a la 1993, 1994. Basically, basically definitely, maybe, obviously. And you had, you know, like I said, the Undertaker come out and basically come out and say he's going to WrestleMania. Me and Dave have huge issues with the the fact that this guy's going to only wrestle now once a year. Um, and you know. We knew that they were going to go towards a CM Punk taker. We just didn't know how they were going to get there. And on Monday Night Raw, they had a, a fatal four-way with Randy Orton, Sheamus, um, Big Show, and, and CM Punk. And the main event had CM Punk winning the match. So there's your match for um, for WrestleMania. You have Undertaker versus CM Punk. I guess uh, Punk's stick could be that he had a longer streak in terms of keeping the title consecutively than the streak of... Undertaker streak, you know, I don't know where they're going to play this angle off. Um, do you give any shot at all? It's early. We have about a month away before WrestleMania. Do you give any shot to CM Punk? I guess. I mean, they're putting him in a big spot. I know people make a big deal about it, but I don't like something. And let me tell you this. I don't like the way it was determined who would fight him. How are you going to have, a, like, a number one contender, four-man battle royal right. to fight the Undertaker at WrestleMania? That's hard. To me, that's just bad booking. That's lazy booking. That's sloppy booking. And something Triple H has not really been, you know, since he's been more presiding over the, the day-to-day operations, it's, it's kind of surprising because uh, things seem to be turning around in a positive direction in terms of storyline and building up characters and whatnot. I think that's stupid. I think it was just, how do you have a number, a battle road with four guys to determine who would fight the Undertaker? That's never happened before, and I think it's just bad. You're making the streak like it's a title match. I mean, come on, seriously? <laughs> the whole point, I guess, according to Vince and Triple H, I guess, is the fact that, you know who gets the opportunity to break the streak? Who's going to go down in the wrestling history book as the man who beat Undertaker? Could you imagine if uh, Punk does it, sir? I, I can imagine, and I hope to see it live and in person, and sitting in <laughs> press row or whatever, whatever, Radio row, row, whatever you want to call it. I hope to see that in person. And I think I, would, I think you and I would be the only ones popping. We'd probably <laughs> get beat up by the other uh, media there if we were able to get to score those uh, sweet backstage, you know, news press passes to get into WrestleMania, but, man, we would be the only ones marking out because everybody would be, like, you know, thinking, like, uh, someone <laughs> passed away or something, you know. So you took coin a phrase that we were just talking about people, who are, you know, no longer with us. Yeah, and from, uh, other than the, the the Fatal 4-Way, which I thought was a decent match, and um, old-school Raw is always cool and all, I thought Raw fell flat in many different categories. Um, the one thing, and usually I find myself falling asleep to watching Raw, because that's how bad it is, but... Holy cow, I saw a segment that was just so bad, and I'm sure I've missed it every week for the last couple of weeks, but sir, I mean, you talk about characters that, like, make no sense. I'm going to say this one word. I'm going to emphasize it like he did because I hope he's listening right now, and you are listening to Pure Gold on Ironbound 1640, but do you know who Fandango is? Yes, I do. <laughs> it's so actually bad. Johnny <laughs> Curtis, who was in uh, NXT, and I... Uh, <laughs> I was looking at a wrestling website, and they were talking about the spoilers for SmackDown, and of course, he refuses to fight. I forget who it is he has a match with, but he refuses to fight him because uh, Lillian didn't announce his name properly, and somebody said that this, this, that shtick would get old quickly, and I think that's probably going to happen. I just, the name is 
terrible, and then it's like Fandango. <laughs> go, go. I mean, I know they're trying to capitalize on the whole Dancing with the Stars thing, but come on, really? Why? Why? I, I, I don't get it myself. And you know when you when you're talking about Fandango, I I, no. I thought for some reason no. that I thought they were gonna actually have a few with uh, Boris Clay because yeah, he's another dancer that you know just dances in the ring. So I, it didn't happen yet. Maybe that's gonna be a, a match, a dumb match at WrestleMania. But no, I doubt it. You talk about dumb matches, sir. I mean they're they're already giving you like inklings that Mark Henry is gonna take Ryback on. Those two guys have no stamina in the ring whatsoever. <laughs> they have no wrestling skills. We have the fake Goldberg versus. The, the quote unquote world's strongest man, that is a match that, you know, other than a, a match Divas match, hell. other than a Divas match, sure, that's a match that I get up and I have to use the John because that, that match can uh, just get flushed right down the toilet, if you ask me. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the the proverbial, you know, star has dimmed for, for Ryback, and I don't think that the WWE is, you know, doing anything with him because he's going into WrestleMania, no title match, no, not, no belts around his waist, nothing. So I don't even think that he's going to be doing much of anything. And uh, aside from that, the Mark Henry thing, yeah, he's back. He's off injury. I know his run as a heel with the title was popular. Never been a fan of his. Always wanted him to be released. So, uh, you know, we'll kind of see where that goes. The final storyline before we get off the wrestling topic. Fandango. And if you don't say it right, by the way, if you don't say it right or if the the ring announcer doesn't say it right, he doesn't want to wrestle in a match. I don't know if you know that's his stick, but... If you don't say it right, he leaves. Well, considering I, I said that about a minute ago, yeah, I, I think the whole listening audience out there, IR1640AMRadio.com knows that. She pops. Um, so the the last, uh, I guess, last big topic of Raw was, you know, basically John Cena versus Rock in a point-counterpoint. And what I found myself thinking was, sir, and I think it, it finally hit me, and I'm sure it hit you, is that we've seen this match once. We, twice we, in a lifetime. Yeah, and now it's twice in a lifetime. I have no desire to watch these guys, you know, talk trash for the next month on on wrestling about how they're going to, you know, the only way this whole storyline makes sense is if The Rock wins the match at, at WrestleMania because other than that, I have no interest in John Cena winning the WWE title at WrestleMania. Well, think it, about this, sir. If we're there live and in person, Ken already mentioned this on his show, Ken mentioned that there would be an absolute riot if John Cena won, if the WWE is dumb enough to think that the fans here in the New Jersey, New York area want to see John Cena win the WWE title against The Rock, one of the most popular superstars in the history of wrestling, in their area, in, in an arena like that life, I mean, they are sadly, and I mean sadly mistaken, sir, that is going to be a colossal disaster. We riot. Cena wins. I mean, you're going to see Cena wins. We ride. You're going to see all these signs all over the place, sir. I think it's going to be horrible. And if the WWE, if that's their plan, if the plan is anything other than Rock walking out as WWE champion against John Cena, then WWE is beyond clueless. I don't know how many times we've said that, uh, said this, but um, basically, if if the uh, if the Rock does win, um, you you basically can finally, definitely, maybe, for the last time, this is the last chance you could turn John Cena full-blown heel. It'd be great... If he loses? Yeah, it'd be great to see if uh, John Cena does lose at WrestleMania. Um, That would be the ultimate turn uh, at WrestleMania to to turn him heel. You're right, the fans will riot. I'm bringing my sign. I'm saying if if Cena wins, we riot. Well, if you're in the news area... I'm rioting in there, too. I don't know if they're going to let you bring that in, sir. (laughs) You never know. So that, that's that's it for wrestling talk. Um, I know we have our guests that are waiting um, in the lounge. So we're going to take one last break. DG, hit us up with one last break, 
And uh, when we come back, I'll hit you up with some nuggets. After that, we'll bring in Under the Bleachers, the new show that we have here on Ironbound Radio with Liz and Laura. We'll be right back after these few moments. Hi, this is Heather Lynn, 32 Fantastic Manager Extraordinaire. Make sure and tune in every Wednesday to Pure Gold Radio Show and check out the archives at puregoldpg.com. And make sure you check mine out. You might learn a thing or two from some of the biggest brains in the business. I'm Lisa Mateo from the PIX11 Morning News in New York. Make sure you check out Pure Gold every week for the best talk radio around. Live from 1640 AM Ironbound Radio in New York, New Jersey, it's Pure Gold with your host, David and Joe. This is Pure Gold. We're back here on March 6, 2013 on Ironbound Radio, 1640 AM. Give us a call if you want to talk about anything and everything, 714-364-4721. And before we bring in the new show with Laura and Liz called Under the Bleachers, which we'll be getting to them shortly, just want to get on some nuggets that we probably won't be able to get to until next week or potentially after we talk to Liz and Laura. We'll see how if there's any time constraints. But, folks, um, talking in the hockey world, uh, last night the New York Rangers played the Philadelphia Flyers, and Mark Stahl, uh, defenseman for the New York Rangers, took a big, big hit with a puck to the face. Um, it was a really, really bad hit. That uh, There was basically a deflection. Sorry. I guess. Under bleachers is here, folks. Um so, yeah, I just wanted to say that Mark Stahl, hopefully he, his eye and his career is not over because he took a, a puck right to the eye, one of the most brutal hits you'll ever see to a, a, a puck to the facer. You know what's interesting is that uh, you hardly ever talk hockey on this program, and since you mentioned it with Moose, and now you're talking about of all the things to talk about hockey-related, it's just interesting that you would uh, throw that out there, being that you're such a big uh, hockey fan, as it were. By the way, how are your... Uh, how are your islands doing, sir? My islands are doing quite well. They're um, they're fighting That's for That's enough it. hockey talk. Folks, oh. uh, we are joined here live and in studio by two ladies who are going to be on the air with us here on 1640 AM. And, of course, as you listen on IR1640AMRadio.com, we have Laura and Liz who are going to be doing a show called Under the Bleachers. Uh, it's going to be airing on Thursdays, and actually tomorrow, if all goes well, We'll be there for a show. Ladies, how are you doing this evening? Laura, I guess I'll start with you. How are you this evening? I'm fantastic. How are you? Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Liz, how's everything? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. It's great to have you both here. Now, um, I mentioned this off the air when I was talking to Laura about the the, the program, kind of like, a, I guess you could say, what would happen last week. I can't mention any names, but we had a, an in-studio guest, and that didn't seem to go so uh, great because... I'm not sure if uh, if that person, hopefully she's not listening right now, uh, wasn't exactly prepared uh, to talk. But, girls, tell us a bit about yourselves first. Uh, again, I'll start with Laura. Tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what you hope to bring to the airwaves here on 1640. Okay, well, first of all, um, I think it's important that everybody knows my teams. I'm a huge Devils fan. They are my heart and soul. So, unlike maybe this show, we will be talking about hockey quite a bit. Um, and then I'm also, unfortunately, a Mets fan. So Please don't ever mention the Mets on the air. Yeah. The Mets are a sore subject for all of us here. That's kind of brutal. And then, um, actually, for football, I go to the Midwest from the Chicago Bears fan. So I will be talking about them quite a bit as well. So. I see you're wearing a, a Bears uh, hoodie there. Of course, yes. 
Well, my devils upset me last night, so I couldn't dare to put anything related to them on today. So, um, but as far as what we want to bring to the show, or at least what, from my viewpoint, I just want to bring an honest opinion and stuff that's that's different. That's not so maybe statistic based or so black and white. Like I want somebody else's viewpoint. You know, I might not like a player because of different reasons than somebody else, and I'm not going to sit on here and pretend that I do or support you know somebody or some team that I don't. So. I just want to bring that to it. That's good. And uh, Liz? Yeah. Hi. Um, so, basically, I'm a Jersey, New York girl through and through. So, my teams are Rangers, uh, Yankees, and... Oh, Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's not get carried away here. Um, where was I? Rangers, Yankees, and... Oh, gosh. I'm nervous. What's my third team? The Giants. The Giants. The Giants. <laughs> I approve of the Giants. Not so much. Oh, that's great. I I see a Jets jacket in here, so... That's my um, uh, co-host over there. I'm not going to touch that. Jets and Islanders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's sad. Uh, If it wasn't for the Celtics, all four of Joe's teams would be complete and utter garbage. All right, let's start with the the beginning here. Uh, The creative think tank of of this station, along with you girls, um, were were having a tough time last week coming up with a name for your show. Tell me how you got to Under the Bleachers. (laughs) Yes, please, because... Oh, give me a suggestion. I don't know. I gave like 40 suggestions. Apparently they sucked. Um, they were cliche, as it were. And then Laura tells me the name. And I was like, okay, explain that to me. How how would that work? But it was kind of interesting. So you want to. Okay. Well, first of all, everything, I mean, okay, not everything, but there's a lot of other shows out there that are born. Sports Talk, <laughs> Sports Chat, Sports Banter, you know, something like, like, it's not catchy. It's not appealing. So, um, I mean, you know, we want to appeal to a certain audience, and under the bleachers is kind of just people think certain things. See their own, think what you want to think. Um, but, you know, we want to get, we want to be different and catch people's attention. You know, if they read the name, maybe they'll click on our Twitter or the website and at least look at it. Whereas if the words are sports chat or sports talk with two girls, like, <laughs> I don't think as many people are going to click on it. So I'm just being honest, you know. My male family members thought it was awesome. They like that. So. <laughs> it's funny because I asked my uh, my coworker at my job that you know shower my nameless and he'll probably be listening to this in the morning when I hear this at work. Um, he said he, he's like under the bleachers. I mean, what is that? You know, he started saying all these crazy things about um, you know you find garbage under the bleachers and, and he totally went in a completely different direction than I thought he would as a guy. But you know, Laura, you make an interesting point, and which is why you know after uh, after uh, some talk, I said you know what that is a good name because when you think about it, it is something different. It's something that people have their own concept of. And then when you turn it on, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're talking sports, as opposed to, you know, some of Joe's suggestions, all his, by the way, like, you know, sports chatter, sports fest, or whatever the case is. Now, since what I find fascinating is, I told Laura this, it'd be perfect if she was a Jets fan, because you literally would have all opposite teams. But, you know, regardless of what the, the Giants and the Bears do have a rivalry going back to, you know, many years ago as two of the oldest teams in the NFL. We did, um, you know, they were eliminated from the playoffs also because we won the last game of the season, just saying. Thanks for that recap. <laughs> just remember, Giants won two Super Bowls oh, in the last okay. five years. Whatever. But aside, aside from that, um, now your show, again, you're going to be talking about all different types of sports. and what, Hopefully, like I said, we won't ever talk about the Mets. But you're going to be talking about different um, sports and, and different things now. What interested, again, starting with, actually, you know, I'll start with Liz this time because I, you know, I can't always go to Laura first. <laughs> what interested you in sports in the first place? Like, what makes you say, oh, I want to do a sports show? Like, with us, and we've told the story on the air a couple of times, you know, we've been friends for way too long, 
and uh, most of our adult lives, as it were. And we always listen to Mike and the Mad Dog, so we're huge Mike and the Mad Dog fans. And Laura mentioned that most sports talk sucks, and I agree. I think a lot of it is boring. I think a lot of it is cliche. I can't listen to one person talk for an hour. So, you know, Liz, tell us, what got you into sports talk, quote-unquote, as it were? Well, I think Laura and I, our friendship is basically based on our mutual love for sports, even though we completely disagree on every single sports team it really has been like such a big foundation of our friendship and when we're together that is the basis of our banter and it just makes sense for us to sit here and talk for an hour about what we basically what we were doing at home if we were out in our car you know whatever so it just really was a good fit for us yeah absolutely um i mean for me i just sports are my life i work in sports i you know, I watch sports when I get out of work. So um, every morning I wake up and I listen to Boomer and Carton. And um, I know not everybody loves them and not everybody thinks that they are, you know, sports guys, but um, I love them. And so um, they're actually kind of an inspiration for me. And as obnoxious as Carton is, I don't care. I love him. So, you know, and like she said, I mean, we spend, well, we spend a lot of time together, but especially football Sundays, and all we do is sit there for hours and hours and go back and forth. And fight. Yeah, pretty much have different opinions on everything. So, you know, we just want to commu- communicate that with everybody else. Well, that's a good thing. I know that my, my co-host is going to chime in here in a second, but he actually likes Boomer and Carton. And sometimes I listen to them on the way in. And I actually like Boomer. I think Boomer is great. But if I have to listen to Carton stuff his face with food and talk like an idiot, and then, of course, you got the the banging banging on the table when something isn't even that funny, that drives me nuts. But, again, I've said this on the air. As much as I can't stand Craig Carton, have to admire his success. How he got there, I have no idea, but the man is super successful. He really is. And I I do watch the show, and um, I don't watch it live. I listen to it. I got to know one thing, Joe. Why do you watch it? Why do you think people would be interested in watching two people talk about sport? I mean, you know, again, us, no names as, as we are. Why watch Boomer and Carter? They don't do anything. Uh, I beg to differ. I mean, I DVR every episode, so I watch them, and uh, it's just it's a funny show to watch. They they put a funny twist on sports, and I, I think you girls uh, want to do the same, obviously, on 1640. Getting into specific sports, uh, let's start with, I guess, hockey, because that's going on right now. Are you, are you paying attention? Are you uh, noticing that right now the Devils are finding a tough time in scoring? It seems like Kovalchuk is resorting to the old Kovalchuk where uh, he's you know, losing the puck a lot. Uh, Brodeur's hurt, so Hedberg is not having a, a good time of it at, at the goal. Are the Devils going to completely collapse right now and not make the playoffs? Um, <laughs> okay, as hard as it is to admit, yes, the Devils are not doing well right now. But um, I do see a little bit of old Kovalchuk in the fact that he's also kind of standing around and kind of waiting for the puck to be given to him, which I don't like because he has become such a great two-way player, and he's uh, it looks like he's going backwards a little bit. And with Hedberg, it's hard because they're not giving him any goal support. I mean, they've scored no more than three goals in the last eight games, which is just ridiculous. But the goals that he's giving up are so soft. Like, the two between his legs, it's just ridiculous. And then he flops around. Once it goes in the net, like makes pretend he was, you know, gonna save it. But um, I think last night when they brought in Kincaid, and uh, like that kind of gave the team a little bit of a jolt. They scored the two goals late. Hopefully that'll carry over into tomorrow night's game, but I'm not sure. I hate to say that they need Marty back because 
you know, obviously he's 40 years old and he's going to be leaving probably next year will be his last. But um, right now I think that they need kind of his presence and his leadership, even in the locker room maybe, just to kind of get this team back together. But they played so well in the beginning. They have essentially the same players. They can definitely rebound and make the playoffs. They're not going to lose every game for the rest of the season. Oh, they're definitely not. Um, but it seems like if Clarkson's not scoring, which he hasn't scored in a while, and Reek's not scoring, I mean, they don't have that much. They don't have that many scorers on the team. The, the loss of Zach Parisi to the, the Minnesota um, Wilds Wild is is glaring now. I mean, at first the Devils started out great. Now they're like a point away from not making the playoffs. So, do the Devils have enough chips? Do they make a, a drastic move? Do they go get a scorer before the trade deadline? What, what do they do? No. Um. I don't, I mean, they didn't, they're missing Prize now because they're in, like, a slump, but I don't really think that they do need him. Yeah, nobody is scoring right now. I get that. And I don't know what the factor is to bring it all together that's going to get them back on track. But obviously they do have the capability. You know, Kovalchuk isn't the only goal scorer on the team. You know, Dave, like you said, David Clarkson, yeah, he's not scoring right now, but, again, nobody is. Um, they're, I think they are more of a team than like a superstar kind of team. So I think they just need to find their groove. And right now they're making so many changes every day. They're kind of bringing somebody up and putting somebody back down. So um, it's just a matter of Marty coming back. I think um, Zubris, when he comes back from his wrist injury, I think they will get back together, but it's just, you know, hopefully starting tomorrow, we'll get it on the right track. I mean, you look at from one team that really didn't have any expectations last year going to the playoffs, and they make a great run like the Devils, and we turn our attention to the New York Rangers, a team that um, really was expected to, to do well this year, has gone off to a mediocre start. To say the least. To say the least. Lundqvist um, has been suspect. He's been okay. The scoring is there. And um, do you think that this team has all its pieces that it needs to make a run for a Stanley Cup? They got Nash in the offseason, too. So do you think they need anything else, or do you think this team is ready to make that run for the Stanley Cup? I feel like it depends on what day you're talking about, because really they've had a string of good games and then a string of really bad games. And to me, I just think, I think that getting Rick Nash back in the lineup was definitely a good jolt for them. That's definitely something that set that boost that we needed. But now it's the loss of Mark Stahl, I think, is just really devastating for us. Um, he's just such a solid player like all around and um I, I really think it's kind of just like a day by day basis. I mean let's see what, what they come up with now that would stall out of the lineup indefinitely. I mean I don't I'm not really sure. I think that we definitely, you know, we're only a point behind the Devils, but, you know, having said that we're still six points behind, you know, um Berg. So it's it is what it is. You know, we're gonna just take it day by day and, and see what happens. But I definitely think that I wouldn't be surprised if they made some trades before the deadline. I think that they definitely use some extra power, some the scoring. We can always have more scoring, especially we need we need to step up the power play. That's always a big problem for us. So. And um, have you heard anything about Mark Stahl? Is like is any update at all? I haven't heard anything about him. Done. His career for the season. For the season, well, okay. Um, I the latest I read was indefinitely, and I'm not really sure if that just means. I'm hoping it's only indefinitely for this year, but that doesn't really sound too promising. Yeah, he. I mean, like I said, he took a deflection, uh, the puck deflected right into his face, and he went down obviously like a ton of bricks. Um, I'm an Islander fan, and 
nobody wants to see anybody ever get injured like Mark Slug got hit uh, last night. That was so terrible. Yeah, and Laura and I are definitely, you know, we're going to talk more about, obviously, the state of both of our teams, and we definitely do plan on touching on the whole should visors be mandatory and things like that. So that'll be a big topic of discussion for us. And I guess for both of you, um, just what the Chicago Blackhawks right now are doing is ridiculous. I mean, um, I talked about it with, we talked about it with Mark Melusis earlier on the show, um, you don't want to peak this soon. The way the, the Blackhawks are playing, it's like the, the more as the season goes on, they don't want to lose. They feel the pressure of keep winning, keep winning because of this unbeaten streak that they have. Do you think this is going to take its toll on them come playoff time? Um, well, this is hard to say because Chicago is like my second home. And if they were ever to be eliminated, I would root for the Blackhawks, even though you know they're in the other conference. But at the same time, I am fully prepared to see them win as many games as possible during the regular season and then get swept in the first round, just because I think it would be a good story. I also think it's a little unfair that, you know, because of the shortened season, they are only playing West teams. So they're not playing the Penguins and the Bruins and the Canadians and, you know, every other team. So, I I mean, I don't really know that they're – you know, getting the full test that they should. So um, they're gonna, they're not going to go undefeated. I'm, there's just no way that that's going to happen. And it'll be interesting to see if when they do take their first loss, if that really hits them hard and then they go on kind of a slump or if they get right back into it and, you know, start another winning streak. So, unfortunately, I think only time will tell with that one. Even with a shortened season, you know, it's unrealistic, unrealistic to think that in a sport like hockey with so many games that you can go undefeated – and I always think, you know, looking back at our Super Bowl champs, the Giants, that it's not how you get to the playoffs. It's what you do when you get there. So, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned a shortened season, but I recall a certain team winning a Stanley Cup in 1995 on a shortened season. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't think the shortened season has anything to do with their – I'm just saying because of it, they're not playing any of the Eastern teams. I'm not, you know – I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just pointing out, in addition to how well they're doing, they're also not playing any teams from the East. And it's safe to say that you girls, ladies, want to see the Devils against the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Finals. How was it last year? Were you watching games together, or were you watching it from your separate homes? Um, I don't know if I actually do want to see that again, because that was... I mean, my heart really barely made it through that series. Your heart, my job. <laughs> I don't actually, I don't think we watched the playoffs together. Every regular season, did we? We went to, do you remember our, we went to Prudential together that one game. Oh, for the, for, yeah, the second home game. We did go, um, unfortunately, the Devils lost that game. Yes, that was terrible. I guess I just blocked that one out of my memory. Sorry. <laughs> But we do we do um we do watch the games together during the regular season. It's like a tradition. So, uh, I gotta switch gears for a second. I'm pretty much taking a nap during this hockey talk. No offense to the three of you, <laughs> but um, you know, Joe wants me to talk football, so let's talk baseball instead. Liz, your Yankees. What in the world is going on? It's, it looks like the the text man Mark Teixeira is gonna be out for ten weeks. That would pretty much put us into the beginning of June before he would come back. A-Rod, hopefully you won't ever play again for the Yankees. And, again, this is a Mets fan, not not a fan of the Yankees. Tell us, is your team in as much trouble as they seem to be uh, as an outsider looking in? Honestly, if I had to 
make a prediction, I'd say that the Mets were going to do better this season than the Yankees at this point in time. Uh, Granderson being out, he's going to miss probably about a a month as well. And with the Pecs, you know, going from initially predicting two weeks to being out eight to ten weeks, that's just really horrible for us. I I personally really like Mark Teixeira. I'm with you, not a fan of A-Rod, so, you know, good riddance to him if he doesn't come back. But we definitely are going to need all the help we can get without those three players. I think the only uh, positive that you could spin it and being a Yankee fan would be that Teixeira usually sucks in the first couple months of the season. <laughs> so if he comes back in uh, in the right form, then he'll be okay. But, of course, if he doesn't, you're talking probably August before he's doing anything. Right. That's a big if, exactly. Like, if he comes back and is terrible the first month that he's back, then we're talking, you know, two, three months that we have an unproductive uh, Teixeira. So... Yeah, it's definitely a scary situation if you're a Yankees fan. And, of course, uh, as a Mets fan, I find it funny that anybody would think that the Mets would do better than the Yankees. But, Laura, I have to ask you this question. Over, under, Mets, lose 100 games? Uh, What do you say? I'd say over, but uh, give us your take on that. Yeah, actually, I think like two weeks ago on Twitter I said, Mets are going to lose 100 games. Like, I'm calling it right now. Mark it down. There's just, I mean... They don't have a chance. They have nothing. They have literally no outfield. Literally. I don't know if Mets fans, like true Mets fans, can name more than maybe four or five players because we don't even really know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. So You know, Joe gave an interesting stat last week. Do you know who the two highest paid outfielders are for the Mets in uh, 2013? Yes, I do. It is, um, of course, I'm not going to remember the names right now. Two guys that are not playing for yes. the team. Uh, Jason Day and Bobby Lugia. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Are those last week's notes that you have there, no. Joe? Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a shame because when you look at this team, and I, I still remember seven years ago, it seems like a lifetime ago, but 2006, being a game two of the uh, National League Championship Series against the Cardinals, I was there, my friends and I, you know, this is back when we actually got tickets to the games. It's, I can't remember the last time I went to Mets game that I paid for, but – I remember saying to my friends, the Mets are up 6 nothing. He said, wow, the Mets are going to be a dynasty. The Mets are going to win this year, and if they had you know, won that, that series, they would have won the World Series because the Tigers, just like they did last year, decided to take a nap. But I said, man, the Mets are going to be great. You know, and then, of course, 2007, you have the, the collapse. 2008, another you know, quasi-collapse. And here we are, just four-some-odd years removed from the Mets being in the playoffs. They're one of the worst teams in, in the sport. And it's scary because when I look at the infield, I say, all right, I love Ike Davis. David Wright, you know, it is what it is. I don't love him like most Mets fans do, but uh, he's obviously one of the best third basemen in baseball. But looking at the rest of the team, you know, the Mets may be better off with a softball, four people in the outfield type of thing with a short fielder, because I have no idea who's going to play left or center or right. Not a Daniel Murphy fan. Ruben Tejada, not a great hitter. Laura, you I love Ruben Tejada, though. I don't know. I like. I think he really goes out there and works every game. There's something. There's really something about him I enjoy watching. He's probably the one that I enjoy watching actually at this point. Well, I, for me, it would be Ike Davis because I can hit a ball, you know, five thousand feet. But uh, when Malusis was on with us, he said that he believes. And again, this is a Yankee fan, but you know, he's a guy who knows the sports. He thinks that Matt Wheeler, uh, Matt Wheeler, Matt Harvey is going to be the real deal, and he's going to emerge as the ace of this team. Now, of course, Zach Wheeler uh, is, is uh, currently injured, but he should be back soon. I love Harvey. I love his makeup. I love what I saw. What do you think, Laura? Do you think this guy's going to be the ace of the staff? Um, I don't really hop on bandwagons as quickly as everybody else does, so I'm not fully behind this kid yet, only because 
you know, people will throw out the name Doc Gooden, like, way too easily when talking about this kid. And um, it's, of course, listen, not for nothing, it's easy to be the ace of the staff right now because <laughs> Johan, hey, maybe you were great a couple years ago. It's a little bit of a joke now. We don't even really know what's going on with his injury. And, um, you know, the next best is Jonathan Neese, who I, I do like him. So to say that he's going to come out and be the ace of the staff, you know, isn't really a huge statement. I think he's going to be good. Do I think he's going to win even 15 games? No, I don't think so. I don't even know if the Mets are going to win 15 games. Joe, what do you think? Yeah, they'll win 15 games. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> uh, you were mentioning that the uh, the you think, uh, or I, I hope you're being sarcastic, that you think that the Mets are going to win more games than the Yankees. But you look at the AL East and you look at the Red Sox, um, the Orioles and the, the Rays, those are teams that, you know, yes, the Yankees have a lot of injuries, but uh, what team really scares you? I mean, on paper, I Other guess. Other than the Mets, uh, what team scares you? Yeah, I guess, the Blue, I guess the Blue Jays could scare you from all their off-season acquisitions, but I think that the Yankees could compete. I think every team's going to actually finish above 500 this year in that division. Um, so I don't, you know, I know the Yankees are hurt right now, but those guys are going to come back, the Granderson and Teixeiras. Um, and they still have Pettit, they still have you know Rivera, so they have a great closer, a decent starting, uh, decent pitching staff. So what what team worries you in the AL East? I think you can never really count the Yankees out, which is you know such a such a the Yankees for you. Uh, um, sorry, okay. I'm kind of soft here. <laughs> but uh, last year I thought the Orioles looked really good, so I would say you know they would be a concern. Not really concerned about the Red Sox right now. I mean, they just, you know, they're the Red Sox. They never really concern me, actually. Um, I think, yeah, I, I really I really think the Orioles, if I had to choose someone in the in the AL East right now. I think it's interesting because there was a fan, there was a fan, and I don't know if either one of you is a fan of Mike Frances. I don't think Laura is from our, our oh conversation. Oh, absolutely not. But there was this call, and this is so great. I think it was Friday. I'm driving home, and uh, Mike, this guy's on the phone for like 15 minutes with Mike trying to explain to him that the Post did some predictions of over-unders for the year. And they're just, Mike, you know, repeating himself over and over again about how in 2012 this team, you know, I think it was the Orioles. He was talking about the Orioles and the Mets or whatever. But I was surprised that the Orioles got such a low I mean, they're in the 70s, people were saying over-under. And I know that people say they did stuff with smoke and mirrors, but, I mean, they they almost went all the way last year. And to me... You know, when you look at the, the the talent that they have and just in general the Yankees, I think that the American League East is still the toughest division in baseball because you just don't know who's going to do what. And, of course, you know, with uh, Rivera coming back off injury and, and everybody else, I think the Yankees have to, you know, like like uh, Liz said, you can't count them out, which is unfortunate. I wish I could, but uh, I know I can count my team out. But I have to switch to football now because, again, you know, my favorite team uh, – you know, I have, a, I have a fellow Giants fan. Give us your take on the Giants so far in the offseason. I mean, I know they signed uh, Will Beatty. He's going to be, you know, on this team for quite a while unless, you know, he's going to go against the cap and they're just going to cut him. But the Giants have made a lot of changes. Are you optimistic about this year? I am because I always am. However, we definitely need to fill some holes, a lot of holes in the defense. Um, I know right now there's talks about possibly, you know, Monte Teo for our linebacker position. And I don't really drink the Monte Teo Kool-Aid like a lot of other people. I'm kind of sick of hearing about him. I think that there are there were some other really good potentials at the Combine, and 
Um, I'd like to see them, you know, giant pick up somebody else. But I think right now, number one concern is let's get Mr. Cruz back on board. What's interesting about the Giants, and I've always said this, Jerry Reese is a phenomenal GM, and it's at the point where he could cut everyone on the team, and I would be confident that he would bring other guys to fill the position, but especially at a wide receiver, you know, letting Manningham go, you know, every year, they let somebody go and they bring him back. I don't I don't like the low ball tactics that they're pulling with Cruz. I think he's a very good wide receiver, and I think that, you know, trying to make it a bigger deal, oh, well, Nix is better than he is. I understand there's two different types of receivers, but Cruz, honestly, to me, is more valuable because he stays healthy and he's on the field, whereas Nick probably got hurt, you know, picking up a phone call, you know, from Victor Cruz to find out about the contract situation. So give us your take on that. Yeah, you know, I actually, I don't know if it's because I'm a female and I really think more with my emotions, but <laughs> I I don't just look at stats when I, when I look at a player. And I don't know, I just, when I see Victor Cruz, I think about this, a really like hard working player. He does what he's asked and he goes out there and gives it his all every time. And like you said, he, he stays healthy. He's, I just feel like he's a good teammate to have on the field. Like he brings a good energy to the field. And I think that that with the fact that he is an actually like really good receiver makes him more valuable. Of course, and most importantly, he's a great dancer too. So uh, he's a great dancer. <laughs> switching, uh, switching to the uh, bears, the bears, Laura, give us your take on that because nobody in the world wants to talk Jets. So, Laura, <laughs> give us your take on your team and what you think, uh, what you expect for the 2013 season. I know it's early, but, you know, combines haven't even – I mean, the combines is just fast. And, of course, you have the draft coming up in a little bit. But uh, give us your take on that. Um, I think – I mean, I I like what the Bears did last year with the exception of uh, our offensive line because, you know, they don't like to protect Jay Cutler in any way, shape, or form. So if at some point we can address that situation and give Jay the opportunity to throw, I think that will be phenomenal. Also bringing in, we brought a new coach in from the Canadian Football League. And I actually, I mean, I'll admit, I just learned this. They have three downs in the Canadian Football League instead of four. So this guy is going to be really, like, offensive-minded, I think. So that'll be great for the team. Um, you know, I, I think they'll have a fighting chance. I think it really depends on, on what they do. And I know... Um, they're having some issues right now. They just let DJ Moore go, but I think he was kind of a mediocre um, guy anyway. And I know they're having issues with Jamarcus Webb, especially since he just got arrested for marijuana. And he was kind of brought some dramatics to the team earlier in the season anyway. He got into a little tip with Jay. So um, I guess I, we just have to see what moves they make. Hopefully O-line, and then I think we'll be good to go. So you think Jay Cutler is the quarterback that will bring you a potential Super Bowl victory? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the Jay Cutler debate with Laura right now. I'm like the big, I love Jay Cutler, yes. Um, I really do. I think it's so crazy to me that he's literally like one of the most hated men in sports. Like they took a poll this year and he was like right, he was above Michael Vick, I think. And that's just absurd to me. Um, He's not, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think he actually makes great passes. And he was, for a while, he was the best fourth quarter quarterback this season. Um. So, yeah, I do think that he has all the potential in the world to miss the Super Bowl episode. You look at this past uh, season's playoffs, uh, you had the, the Baltimore Ravens, I think, quite um, under the radar. You know, they got past the Broncos, and they, they made it, and they played uh, the Patriots. Playoffs? Who's talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Yes, we're talking playoffs. <laughs> So uh, the Ravens uh, make a nice run. Joe Flacco, because uh, I, I this guy is over on the other side of the glass. 
just threw a pissy fit to, uh, oh, at, at our production meeting today, talking about please. how he cannot stand that Joe Flacco got a uh, $20 million a year contract for six years. Do you think that Joe Flacco deserves it first? And do you think that um, if the, the Ravens don't win another Super Bowl again, do you think that the contract was a bad contract? Look, Laura and I are going to go into detail with this tomorrow, and we actually land on the same side of the fence on this topic and really don't think that he deserves all that money. <laughs> Yay, fun. <laughs> we are in Jersey. <laughs> Um, I don't want to take anything away from him. I, I think that he is a good quarterback. He's solid. You know, bringing your team to the playoffs, you know, five out of five seasons, that's definitely something that you can't take that away from him. However, I don't think that he's a better quarterback than Drew Brees or, um, or Eli or Peyton or Tom Brady, you know. So, well, I can't believe you just said Tom Brady. I'm I so proud of you. Me. <laughs> I definitely don't think he is worth the money. And um, the whole Super Bowl thing this year, his team bailed him out a lot, let's be honest. And um, I think that, and I don't like this guy either, but Ray Lewis announcing his retirement oh, God, I love Ray Lewis. really nice. gave the team a push. I think, you know, his teammates did love him, and they were very inspired, and let's do this for Ray, and, you know, that's, that's hard to ignore when you're in that situation, I'm sure. It gets, you know, very inspiring. Um, so with him gone next year, I I don't know that they're going to do the same thing. When, also, when I look back to that first, play, you know, uh, the Bronco game. Oh, my goodness. I mean, what a, just, what what a, a breakdown joke. by the Broncos. I Horrible. Mean, I just feel like that should have been a game that the Broncos put away easy and they totally blew it. Especially in the last few, like the last minute of the game, just you know, kneeling on the ball, you don't even make a play. I think that that was just total crap. And <laughs> I thought, I think that they they gave the Ravens the game. And after that, I kind of just knew that they were gonna head towards the play, uh, towards the Super Bowl. The funny thing is, we talked about this on our show, and uh, actually, we, you know, when the I'm a huge Peyton Manning fan. I love Peyton. He's my favorite football player. And you know, being a Giants fan, regardless of that, I just love Peyton. But Joe and I talked about this at length, and then we talked about it after the fact. The fact that when the the Broncos collapsed, like you said, in the last minute, I was going nuts watching the game. But at that moment, I said, you know, again, Joe Flacco, great arm. Obviously, he threw a, he threw a bomb down the field, which should have been broken up. It's just a ridiculous play. And then every week, it seemed like something was happening. No interceptions, which could have been like 20 interceptions throughout the, the course of the, uh, the uh, playoffs. But at the end of the day, he did win a Super Bowl. The only reason – I just hate – and whether it's Eli or whatever the case is, I always hate to, oh, the highest-paid player in football, and then, like, two weeks later, somebody else comes, and now he's the highest-paid player in football. And I was reading some comments today by Joe, which I didn't like. And, you know, he didn't have any playoff success up until this year, which, of course, he, he ran the table. But he said, whether I won the Super Bowl or not, I still deserve this contract. To me, that's an asinine, ridiculous statement to make because at the end of the day, all right, you have your Super Bowl, you know, the Ravens have their quarterback, but if, if he sucks for the next six years, was it a good Was it a good uh, investment? The answer is no. But if you if you talk to him, yeah, it's great. You know, they should have given it to me regardless. Stuff like that that I don't like. And you know, you're you're over here looking at me, condescending, talking about how you know I'm hating on the guy because he's making money. We're never gonna make that kind of money, so that's irrelevant to me, Joe. I'm gonna make that money. I know that much. How about you, Dave? <laughs> Baltimore Joe. Baltimore Joe from Baltimore. Um, so 
you know, we're not going to be talking Jets here, but let's just say that. Well, you can mention Revis. I mean, there's yeah. some rumors that there's if, a team. I think the Mets are going to get him to play left field, yeah, correct? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> if Revis ends up on the, uh, let's say, the San Francisco 49ers, I think that the San Francisco 49ers are the clear-cut favorite to make it back to the Super Bowl and maybe win their sixth Super Bowl. Um, but who would, who would object, Giant fan or Bear fan or any other fan, who would object to having a malcontent like a Darrell Revis on their team? I just want to know your take on it. As a Jet fan, I am sick of the guy, personally, because this guy, every time he's up for a contract, has to make a big to-do about it, how he's going to hold out or he's going to – it doesn't seem like he's the type of team player. He might be great on the field. I think he's a more of a cancer off the field. I wouldn't want him. Honestly, I've, I've always had a real sour taste in my mouth when it came to the Jets just because I feel like a lot of the players are such divas, and it's all about me, 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 and that's why – you guys, I feel like, tend to have, you know, these, like, collapses, like, mid-season or just, you know, really fuck it up the whole season. Oh, I'm sorry. But uh, with him, you're right. You know, it's all about, okay, like, I'm going to make a big deal about my contract, and then he gets hurt. And, it's you know, I feel like he's plagued by injuries. I just wouldn't want him. He's not reliable. I mean, I am not even going to deny I don't really know statistically much about him, like, or where he stands compared to other players. Every time I hear his name, there's it's always something drama-related. And I have no patience for anything like that um, when it comes to my teams. You know, I want, I want my players known for how they play the game, not what they're doing off the field, not what they're whining about. So I don't want anybody like that, you know, near my team. Well, the thing about Darrell, and, and this is the part that would be frustrating, because I'm like, Joe, he is undoubtedly, when healthy, the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, the guy is literally an animal on the field. But when you have the off-the-field stuff and you combine it with the on-the-field – Again, Joe, you said it perfectly in your life on Jets fan. You don't want him on your team. But, I mean, where is he going to end up going is my question. If the Giants, you know, obviously the Jets aren't going to trade him to the Giants. But, you know, is he going to end up going somewhere and then doing the same thing or does he just want to get the hell out of New York? It's a tough call because a team like the 49ers do need a Darrell Revis to get them over the top. I mean, you could see that teams were able to pass on the 49ers this year in the playoffs. The one question is, do you want to bring somebody like that on your team? I mean, Brandon Jacobs is the perfect example of a guy that was a cancer on the 49ers. They released him. So it's a tough call if you're the Niners. Uh, a team like the Falcons need him. Um, a team like the Broncos definitely needs him after that debacle oh, uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I guarantee you if Darrell was on the Broncos, that doesn't happen. And Joe Flacco is sitting at home, you know, bumming for gas right now, eating McDonald's, as it were. And the thing about Revis is, like, you, asked, you talked about his stats. He's, he's not a stat guy. Like, you're not going to get, like, ten interceptions from the guy. He's the type of guy that shuts down your best wide receiver and then you have to game plan around him. That's the type of player he is. That's why he's so great. Is that he shuts off? He shuts down half the field for the defense for the uh, for the opposing offense, and then they have to work around Darrell Revis. So that's why he's such a great player. I just think that he's just a uh, a malcontent at this point. The Jets need so many other pieces. They don't need Darrell Revis on the team. How many games did he play last season? I think I heard after game three or four. I want to say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, he asked for so much money. And, you know, what? it's not like the Jets underpaid him. He's gotten so much guaranteed money from the Jets organization. Every year, it's all about him. It's always about renegotiating. Um, as far as I know, as for me personally, if I sign a contract for a three-year contract, uh, after two years, I'm not going to ask to renegotiate. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sign my name to a three-year contract, renegotiate after three years. Who's hating on, on guys who uh, wanting to make more money now? That is exactly that is exactly what someone like the, the sports pope 
Just throwing the Pope There's nothing wrong with Mike making Francis. twenty dollars a year if your name's Joe. <laughs> yeah, but in the case of someone like Darrell Reeves, you know, have a short shelf life. I was actually watching uh, ESPN special from Netflix, um, uh, Thirty for Thirty broke, and all these athletes, all this money that they make, and seventy percent of them end up broke. But in the case like Reeves, and I, I don't like it either. But these guys are going to make more money they're going to make as much as they can because, you know, the average NFL career is only three and a half years. So if Darrell wants more money after two years, I mean, you know, who are you to begrudge him, Mr. You know, I'm the one talking about making money, this and that. You are full of it. I, I wish I could cut his mic first uh, right now. <laughs> but let me just say, pure just gold. Yours. Yeah, pure gold just uh, went under the bleachers as it will, <laughs> quote, unquote. Uh, we're going to let the girls close out the show. Talk about, you know, what time you're on, what day of the week. Tell us what tomorrow's show is going to be about, and uh, take it from here, then Dave will close us out completely. Okay, well, um, so Under the Bleachers will be on every Thursday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., and we really hope to discuss pretty much all sports and kind of, you know, nationwide. Like, even though we're New Jersey-based, New York-based, we're looking to touch on, you know, the hot NFL stories or hockey stories and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're definitely – we want to hear from you guys, so if you have any questions, you can tweet us or – Facebook us, whatever, email us. Um, we have some questions from some potential fans lined up. And um, to be honest, neither one of us is, are big basketball fans. However, if, you know, at any time someone wants us to discuss that, we will definitely give it the old college try. <laughs> it is my so I'm, a, <laughs> I'm okay with that. Uh, but other than that, like Laura said, you know, we're kind of going to just touch on some of, like, the big top news of the week, every week, and... Um, just hopefully take it from there if you guys like it. Folks, make sure you check them out tomorrow, 8 p.m. here on 1640 AM. And, of course, you can listen on IR1640AMRadio.com. We thank you all for listening and tuning in. Of course, those of you checking us out on iTunes and uh, on our website, again, puregoldpg.com. Make sure you tune in to our show next week, same time, 6 p.m. We're going to have Bright Lights' Jared Foster in studio. We're also going to have another our wrestler who's going to be joining us, and it's going to be definitely some interesting stuff. Of course, tomorrow we have two shows here on 1640, so make sure you check them out starting at 7 p.m. I'd like to thank Mark Malusis for joining us. The Moose, always a pleasure to talk to you again in two years, sir. And, again, congrats on the baby, the, the newborn, as it were. I, of course, got to thank uh, Laura and Liz for joining us from Under the Bleachers, and, as always, my co-host. Make sure you tune in next week. And as we sign off, folks, check this out one last time. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are. Good night, everyone. Talk to you next week.